Uh, John Rothstein with CBS, put Florida State at number 13. How do you feel Florida State's going to be this upcoming season? Um, I think they're going to be slept on again, and I think they're going to overachieve again. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. You know, we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? This is Logan from Here the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. I'm the owner founder at NoGameDay.com. With me this evening is Ostavizi, our lead basketball writer, Dustin Lewis, our lead writer and editor, Nate Greer, our lead recruiting insider, and hopefully here in a few we'll have Carlos Williams in here, 2013 national champion, running back. Uh, but what's going on, fellas? It's North Carolina week. I think we're all very excited. I'm excited. Whenever there's time, whenever there's no. prime time football and Doke at night, and there's a chance, you know, we saw some a little bit of some optimism against Notre Dame a little bit. You know, that could be. Is it upset week? We'll see. This would be a fun game with a with no. a with a live crowd. You know, with with, with an in house loaded up. Doke Campbell. At night, baby. At night. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. It should be good weather again. The last time I was in Doak, it was two weeks ago, and it was gorgeous. The sunset and everything before it came away with the wind. So we'll see what happens. That preview is later on in the episode. I'll go ahead and let you guys know now. You can listen on iTunes, Google Play, uh, YouTube. Hit that subscribe button so then you'll be notified whenever we release a new episode. If you want to leave us a five-star rating, leave a review too. It helps a lot with helping us grow and reach some more FSU fans. Um, but we're here. It's North Carolina week. I was actually – I penciled this one down uh, early on during the offseason once the ACC schedules were released. And, you know, there's a lot of good storylines that go with it. The number one obviously being Sam Howell and all that. But um, – and I think it's going to be a pretty interesting game, and, and we're going to preview that later on in the episode. But let's go and jump into the quick hitters of the week. Obviously, number one, this happened yesterday, I believe, 247 Sports Mills 247. Put out a report that Tamaron Terry was indeed going to have surgery on his knee. Actually, this morning, which we're recording Thursday, uh, he came out and tweeted uh, he had a successful surgery. And it's probably expected that we're not going to see him for a good amount of the season. We might not even see him back. That's something that we will discuss now. But Tamaron Terry won't be there on Saturday against North Carolina. Hurts. Yeah, it hurts. Takes away Especially, all optimism from last week. Yep. Yeah, coming off last week's performance, you could tell he was he was uh, banged up a little bit. He was limping around, but he fought through that, and I think overall had one of his best games as a Seminole. You know, he he played physical throughout the game. Um, sucks for him. Sucks for some momentum that the offense had. But next man up, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think he's – I feel like he's been hindering something for a couple of weeks now. The way that he's been mm-hmm. kind of jogging around when he jogs back to the sideline, it, he was – I feel like he's been hindering something, and that's something I had an eye on. But it seems like something's gotten worse, and uh, he has to have a surgery. But, yeah, next man up. And who's that going to be? I mean, you you have Ontario Wilson, who's caught 14 passes for 133 yards to this point. But I mean, outside of outside of tight end Cam McDonald, who has 12 catches for 127 yards, you haven't really gotten much production from that uh, receiving core. Yeah, you yeah. hope guys like Keyshawn Helton and some of these other guys can step up, but we haven't really seen it so far this year. It's been Terry, it's been the running backs, it's been Cam McDonald. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to step up? I We talked about in the production meeting, but me and Nate agreed probably and Terry Wilson here. But you're probably going to see some younger guys thrown in. I, I will, I'm I kind of expecting to see a little bit of Warren Thompson out there. I haven't seen much out of him mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. We saw, he obviously. He got a pass last week, man. He got oh, a first down. A first for a first down. down. Yeah, for a first Progress. down. So, Progress. Yeah, yeah, no, that is. It is um, optimism there. But who else? I mean, who do you throw out in there? Who do you guys want to see a wide receiver? Because there's probably going to be – you guys that we haven't seen a lot get some uh, PT on Saturday night? Uh, for me, Jordan Young. I'm interested to see him get some more reps because, you know, athletically he's as gifted as any wide receiver on that on that team. But, you know, it's just something is not added up yet. And I think it's just a lack of reps. You know, he's, he's a guy who, uh, you know, ha- has your, your size-speed combination that you want from a college receiver. But he just – Hasn't gotten an opportunity, so this is a chance to come in and, and you know may, maybe prove some some uh, some of those naysayers wrong. But and I also want to see uh, the freshmen mm-hmm. eager to see what they can do. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Some of the true freshmen who we've seen a couple flashes of guys like Jakai Douglas, Kentron Poitier, and Darian Williamson. I mean, mm-hmm. I would love to see some more of those guys moving forward this season, especially now with, with Terry out, you're going to need to establish some more options moving forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see a little bit of Brian Robinson. There were some flashes early on in Cam, Poitier also, like Dustin named. Uh, but I'd like to see a little bit of Brian Robinson. I think he already looks like he's been at FSU for two years. I think he's got a really nice physical attributes, um, and that's something that – I think you can kind of throw in and hopefully Jordan Travis was able to have some good connects with them during practice this week, um, which we're about to get into. Obviously Jordan Travis left the game against Notre Dame uh, and obviously James Blackman subbed in for him at the end and he was hindering his hand a little bit. We didn't get to see uh, really too much of it, but we saw on the sideline, at least from NBC's cameras that he was holding his hand and, um, for the rest of the game, though, he was kind of just sitting there. I don't think it was even had anything on it. But um, he's most certainly expected to be the starter on Saturday, which is some good news because, you know, Florida State's got a starting quarterback. I know there's been a lot of talk. Do we, do we need to see Trevor Purdy, all that kind of stuff? But there's some good news, optimism for that offense that was doing some doing some work against a really decent defense in uh, South Bend on Saturday night. So I, I want to go back to Brian Robinson real quick, um, just to backtrack a little bit. Uh, you know, if he's healthy, that's one guy I really expect to see more of. Um, you know, he's he's been a little banged up uh, from that injury in, in camp, but if he's healthy, I really expect to see a lot more of him. I think he's probably going to be that third or fourth guy that that, that plays more. Um, but you know, 
a lot of positivity from, from, from Jordan Travis and what he was able to do uh, last week. I think that, you know, if you can't look at this force it offense and not think that there's been a lot of rapid improvement, um, you know, since he's, since he's come in, uh, you know, kind of a, a good matchup this week against uh, the Carolina defense. That's one of the worst in conference. Yeah, Travis really showed out last week. He's not the long-term answer for this position, but he's a good bridge quarterback that gets the offense down the field, which is something we didn't see in the first two games except when he was in the game. Um, so I think as long as he's still healthy, that hand's not bothering him. Yeah, it's it's good that he's going to be able to start. Yeah, and Travis <clears throat> carried the ball 19 times against Notre Dame uh, on Saturday. I just don't know if that's, you know, a sustain, sustainable thing with how, how hard he plays. Like, he's not really a guy Mm-mm. who's looking to slide or go down. He, go, he goes out there and he plays aggressive and tries to create contact. But one thing, you know, if he is going to carry the ball this much throughout the season and with that type of play style, he's not going to be able to keep up uh, durability-wise. So, I mean, you know, his brother, pretty pretty good baseball player. I'd love to see him, you know, add in kind of like a baseball slide into his game to avoid some of the the, the bigger contact hits that he's taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing about him. He is fighting. He is aggressive, and he's going to go try. Definitely if he's uh, third and five and he's got to roll out, he's most certainly probably going to, even if a linebacker is coming at him, he's going to try to get the first down, which is good. You like, you like to see that kind of aggressiveness, but it doesn't need to be the case when it's first down, second down. You know, just get your yards what you can get. And slide you don't want to lose him because after that you know we saw when Blackman went in that was immediately two sacks which is um I'm not even a comment on that but uh you look back also what's the deal with Trevor Purdy because you got to look at a, a solid backup in terms in case something happens with Travis so uh Jordan Travis I think right now is a solid quarterback for Florida State in the offense that Norvell and Dillingham are putting together just for the time being and it's working and keep with it keep it consistent and I think the offensive mm-hmm. line is doing very well in front of him um they're fighting for him and you're seeing a guy with Travis that's becoming a really true leader because you know what he's making plays and that's something that you know Florida State hasn't seen I mean I think it's kind of shocked this offense maybe other guys that have been around the team like Tamarion Terry for a while and other guys I think it's kind of shocked them that uh, Jordan Travis was able to lead them on a few drives in South Bend and be like whoa okay this this guy this cat <laughs> this guy's this cat's got it so I think that was kind of a big wake-up factor for this whole team overall, offensively and South Bend. Defensively, yeah, we'll get into that. But um, Jordan Travis is is really becoming a, a true leader on the field and off the field. I, I know they scored 26, 26 points. That I, I missed the, in, the instant reaction pod. Um, but they had a really good shot of putting up close to 40 points, um, which I think is one – reason why I'm super excited about the offense is that Notre Dame's no slouch. Uh, they're mm-hmm. one of the most physical teams in the country. Um, one of the most experienced teams. A guy making his, his first start. Um, you know, I think that the offense, the staff, they schemed really well. Um, and and you know, with purpose. And I think that, you know, for, for Florida State, I think that's what gives them a shot this week. It gets, uh, yeah, Carolina's ranked number five in the country. But, you know, they have – they're almost as bad as Florida State on defense. And, 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 and that's why I think that, um, you, know, you know, this is a game that it, it feels a little different. Um, 
at the same time while having you know th those legitimate doubts that have carried on for the last four, uh, four weeks. But um, I did you guys talk about the Damian Webb uh, on the Instant Podcast? No, I was going to give our final thoughts here on the quick hitters about, you know, just quick thoughts real quick on it um, after the game. But I was, I was just going to run through Brandon Jennings and NFL Knowles and then get into that if you want to. Right. Uh, Brandon Jennings, four-star linebacker, decommits from Florida State. Uh, kind of a shock to a lot of, a lot of people. Came out of nowhere a little bit. Obviously, a legacy was a legacy commit. And guess what? He's already expected to commit, and it's going to be tomorrow. By the time we're recording this, it's going to be tomorrow on Friday. And it's already kind of expected and rumored to be the Michigan route. This makes me kind of feel like – I mean, obviously, Brandon Jennings committed to Florida State first, but it's kind of like got a Devin Bush kind of effect for me. I'm a, I'm a Steeler, so I have this kind of feeling. But uh, he's expected to commit to Michigan. But first off, Brandon Jennings gone from FSU in that 21, uh, Tribe 21. Which sucks because we've seen all season linebackers arguably our worst position on the entire team. And Nate alluded to it in the, in the uh, pre-podcast meeting that there's not a lot of linebackers left out there in JUCO and recruiting and transfer portal otherwise. There's not a lot of options to get these holes fixed. Go ahead, Dustin. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really big loss for Florida State. Obviously, Brandon Jennings, legacy commit uh, right now, or he was the top-rated commit in the entire class. And, I mean, he was coming in at a huge position of need. We've seen how awful Florida State's linebackers are. Um, and, you know, they need a lot of help there. So to lose him um, from the class, and then especially – like this, you know, three days later, he commits, and he's already got a top three. Florida State didn't even make it. It's Michigan, Miami, and, and Clemson that he'll be deciding from. And um, like Logan said, there's been some crystal balls that came in from Michigan. So, I mean, it's, it's very disappointing. And, I mean, it just – it shows from the beginning, I guess, that he wasn't really bought in to what he was saying. He was talking about coming back to rebuild Florida State – Sitting there in his dad's old jersey, wanted to come through and continue the legacy of, of the Jones name at FSU. And then, I mean, he just – he pulled that rug completely out and then just made this decision. And, I mean, I understand it because obviously Florida State has looked absolutely terrible on defense through the first four games of the year. I mean, no other way to say it. But, I mean, it's just very disappointing. So. Now, I think, you know, a lot of people have – for no reason, jumped on Norvell and his staff about how they've recruited. This could be the first complaint that they could legitimately have. So, you know, here's a guy who was, um, you know, rankings-wise, he was the, the top recruit in the class. I don't, I don't think that on the field he's a top recruit uh, in the class. I think that's Luke Altmaier. Um, but at the same time, um, as Austin said, it's at a position of major need. And it, it's a guy who could come in and contribute right away. So uh, it, it's a massive hit um, to the class. It's a massive hit to a position that just has not done well at all um, over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, when you, re when you read his little decommitment note, you know, it, it seemed like it was full of shit to me in the first place about how he didn't want to make the staff look bad by taking visits. Um, you know, my, my gut feeling is that um, it's been in the works for a while. Uh, and that instead of nutting up and just decommitting when he wanted to, he's waiting to the last minute. Um, you know, that leaves Florida State in a really rough position. I don't have respect for that. 
Um, I respect that you go find what you think is best for you in your future. Uh, at the same time, um, there really is nothing a lot. There's not a lot out there right now in terms of high school kids that are um, not committed that are worth a take. There's not a lot of kids in the portal right now that are worth a take. And if you look at the Duke route, out of the top 50 kids, I think all of them but three or four are already committed. So, you know, you're going to have to go in and pursue a kid who's already committed to another school and try to get them to flip. So for me, it's a major concern uh, when you still have Quavian Fuller in the class, who I think is probably one of the worst players that Florida State's ever going to take. And at this time right now, they really can't afford to, to let him go. Um, because they, they need one, they need bodies, and two, they need talent. And, you know, I, I'm really interested to see how this unfolds because Norvell and his staff have had a plan. And, you know, throughout this whole process, things have kind of unfolded to show you that, you know, Florida State kind of has an idea what they want to do. I think this is the first time that they're really going to have to really figure this one out. Mm-hmm. Four star. Um, Go ahead. Like you said, Nate, not a lot of time to find a replacement for him with the early signing period just two months away. So not to cut you off. Sorry about that. But, you know, it's throwing there the lack of the ability to, to visit. So, you know, let's hope that after the new year that they're able to open up the visits and, and do all that. So now, you're going to try to sell a kid on something that they can't see um, and, and tangibly touch. So it, it's, going to, it's going to be very tough for Florida State to fill those holes. NFL Knowles, let's move into something maybe a little bit more positive. NFL Knowles lately have been rocking. Um, obviously, I'm never going to talk about Dalvin Cook on an episode before he plays. I can never do that again because I feel like every time I do that and I'm looking forward to it. Hold his hammy. Yeah. It <laughs> groin. Seems, was it, yeah, was it like a groin thing? Do you know Austin? You're Well, he's on the phone. But um, I love how I bring this up while he's a Vikings fan. But I was, man, I love Dalvin. If Dalvin was in that game healthy, they would have. Uh, upset the Seahawks most certainly put my name down for it any day of the week obviously the Vikings like to screw themselves but Dalvin Cook at least we got to see him in the first half and uh he's a I mean I think he is the best running back in the in the world right now in the game unless you look at maybe Kamara and blah 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 but I mean Kamara the other uh night didn't really have a phenomenal game either I mean I I think it's more of the quarterback's situation him falling apart but I love watching Dalvin Cook have you ever pulled yeah. your ever pulled a groin muscle? Yeah. It's the worst shit ever. Other than kidney yeah. stones. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I did it during track. I did hurdles. So I was out for a good couple weeks. I was bye-bye. <laughs> it yeah. hurts. Groin pulls aren't fun. And it does look like Dalvin is going to meet um miss this week. Mm-hmm. And uh after that, Minnesota has a bye. So you know, hopefully a couple weeks off, he'll be able to heal up a little bit and come back. But right now, Vikings, not a ton to play for. Sorry, Austin. <laughs> Luckily, he's, on the, he's on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian Burns, though, popping off, man. He's having a good good year so far. Happy for him. He's, he's bringing a lot of pressure. I think he had a strip. I think he had a strip uh, this last Sunday. And then, but I believe he got, 
went into a little bit of a concussion, but then they said it wasn't a concussion. And I think he had to go to the hospital. I don't know. I don't really have an update there, but I think he, I think well, he's going to end up being fine. Concerning. Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit. Austin, you back with us? Yeah. We were talking about Dalvin cook. I don't want to talk about it. That whole thing. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Like I told that cause you could see it coming. And it, I mean, it, it was just as close. Uh, are, are they taking it for Trevor? I hope so. Get Kirk Cousins off my team, please. Like, you can look at just the last drive and be like, oh, they, they lost because, you know, you let up a last drive touchdown. Well, no, it's because Kirk Cousins had a meltdown in the first minute and a half of the second half where he had three and out pick and then I think a fumble. Like, come on, man. What are yeah. we is it, uh, is it Jameis Winston time in New Orleans? They're not going to bench him. Yeah, they're not going to bench They're Bruce. not going to bench you. <laughs> Especially the fact that they came back and won. No, I know. I, I know that, I, I, but I at that first half. I, mean, I think, I think if they would have lost, there'd be some pressure. To, to, if Breeze would have kept on playing like he did in their first half, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, they, if they wouldn't have scored that touchdown late in the second quarter, I think Jameis would have started the second I half. I think Breeze knew it, too. I mean, Breeze kind of was like, oh, I got to get my shit together. I got to, like, play my hardest. It has to be Breeze's last yeah. season. Like he's, I mean, he's already got that ugly. Not good anymore. He, I, mean, I hate he's it, still man, a, he's a, I hate it. Yeah. I kind of like up? it because I hate the Saints, but that's about it. <laughs> well, I hate them right now until Jameis Winston goes out there. Then I'm going to be a good fan. Then when he um, goes out there, I'll cheer for Jameis to do well, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, Drew Breeze, <laughs> man. It's kind of fallen, kind of fallen. But then again, he look. I mean, he's a veteran, so that comes to the help of his case because then he mm-hmm. goes in the second half and is able to come back. But still, that's that, mm-hmm. that father so time is undefeated, man. <laughs> father, father time is, is infinity and O. Except for Le- LeBron's. I mean, LeBron's getting there. He's fighting it. Yes. You know, LeBron's just a different athlete. You know, he he he's a rarity. Um, you know, but um, uh, how do you think James would do that offense uh, in, 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 in would, New Orleans? It would help Winston a lot because it's not like Tampa with Bruce Arians where they're just telling him throw it 40 yards downfield every time. I think him being told to take these checkdowns every so often would really help Jameis. I think him and Kamara could be a close connection like he was with Devontae Freeman. I just think also Sean Payton free- is such a better – offensive mind than in any other head coach that he's dealt with so far like it would it would really help him out so i i, I got in a massive argument at work with this this guy about about <laughs> Jameis because uh, i'm a Jameis fan um i i think he could be an all pro in that offense i think i, I looked i watched uh, uh breeze play and i do think Jameis going in there could fit really well i mean once michael thomas comes back they got a tight end obviously a running back that's one of the top mm-hmm. three in and in, in the nfl um and i like the offense mm-hmm. as a whole yeah there's I, a I, I, there's a few offenses where i think Jameis would succeed really well in which you would have thought it'd be tampa with bruce Aarons because you saw what he did with roethlisberger mm-hmm. but yeah new orleans is definitely one of those teams where you plug him in and i think he'd do really really well I, I would like to see him and uh, coming in. I thought New Orleans, uh, Pittsburgh, or, or or the Rams. Yeah. But you know, yeah, you know, I think I think uh, you know, Goff's got that job locked down. Yeah, and the money. <laughs> He's got that damn. Yeah. Hundred something mil. What about Dallas? <laughs> uh, see how, Dak, see how Dak think, comes back. I don't think Dallas would be good for him. 
That's just I want to give a, get him out. I think Dalton's fine there. I'm pretty mm-hmm. cool with Dalton being there. He's got experience and he was fine in the game. Um, and he's gone to a, a good amount of playoffs too, but I, I, I don't want him getting near Jerry Jones and all that crap. Get him <laughs> out of that limelight. Cause then if God, if he, imagine being on that, like, I mean, they got so many primetime games. God, if, if Jameis throws two interceptions, the world is going to just fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> But I'll take him in. I'll take him in Pittsburgh any day of the week. But you know, my boy Big Ben is you know looking like a top five quarterback this year, and I'm feeling uh, good. Uh, I'm feeling good. Father Times to hit him pretty soon too. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, final thoughts on Florida State versus Notre Dame before we go into our top three worst segment. Hey man, final you forgot an NFL no. Who did I forget? Devontae Freeman. Cam Akers had a good run. Cam Akers had a good run. His first game back from his rib contusion, he had nine carries, 61 yards, and a 46-yard run. There Best game so far in the NFL. Yeah, and uh, uh, McVay said he's going to be definitely more of the offense moving forward. So. Yeah. Good. I think he was a little – he was he's a rookie. Kind of had to warm up to uh, the NFL in his first couple of weeks. And then I also look back at during hard knocks whenever – I thought he would have woken up to the NFL whenever he got absolutely obliterated by Aaron Donald in their scrimmage. <laughs> but I guess he's still a little warming up. But I think once he gets through that system and he's like, oh, my God, there's like a little bit of decent blocking, I think uh, he'll excel. Because, I mean, obviously, L.A. Rams, their offensive line isn't amazing, but – Cam Akers can most certainly carry an offense. We might have seen that the last couple of years in Tallahassee. And also, I think, uh, keep an eye on Devontae Freeman. Bye, Saquon Barkley. Bye. Freeman's got the job. I'm just kidding. But Freeman <laughs> looks good. I think Freeman yeah. looks good. He hasn't had a lot of playing time and a good amount. And that offense was working with him, man. And the Giants' offense is dog shit. So, I mean, <laughs> Freeman. <laughs> that, that whole division is not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Freeman looks good. I'm – Excited to see him continue there. And I think it's a good stage for him. Maybe, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley is the franchise running back in the face of everything there. But um, if Devontae Freeman can perform really well this season, then he might have some uh, options going elsewhere. And then being a starting quarterback on another team, I think he's uh, – I think he, he looks good. He kind of – he looked like – he looked like his – what year was it where he popped off? He looked like his – I mean, he's so quick and fast, man. I think his starting days are over. Yeah. I, I, I think he's going to be your third down, come in, um, spell the starter, running back, and, and that's fine. Well, that's so what he, the other guy was the other night for them, or the other day for them. They had another mm-hmm. guy that was that case. Devontae was leading him down the field. I'm just saying, don't sleep on him, baby. Don't sleep on my boy Freeman. I, 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 love, I love him, man. Me too. But, uh, Final final thoughts on FSU Notre Dame. Nate, you have the four first because we were talking about uh, a running back. Speaking well, of running backs, and we're number eight. Well, well Danny Man Webb, love that kid so far. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he he's he has decent speed, but you know his his vision is really good. His balance is phenomenal, um, and, and he just wants to punish the defender. Um, I really like watching him run the ball. I think that he needs to be the primary guy, and, and I, I think that they need to give Toa Philly more carries. He didn't have – he didn't touch the ball enough with Notre Dame. Um, the, what, he had one catch for 13 yards, I think, and just a couple rushes. He didn't touch the ball enough. Um, I think you need to, um, as Dustin kind of alluded to earlier, um, 
kind of alleviate some of that those hits on, on on Travis while some of it is schemed up that way. Um, I, I would like to see him get some more carries. Um, I'm really happy with the offense. Uh, I, I think that, you know, progressed very well. I expect him to play again um, much better this week. I think that they have the run game figured out. I think that, you know, losing Terry hurts the passing game. So I think that was starting to develop. But at the same time, you know, it's a defense, defense, defense. Um, they got their, their asses whipped. Um, the second half was better. Um, Marvin and Durden played better in the second half. Um, but at the same time, that first, that first half was just a disaster. I remember that in the second quarter, uh, 21 to three, and that's, what, that's the difference in the game. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you just said right there. Um, against Notre Dame, I thought the offense showed some really encouraging signs. And, you know, I don't think anyone really expected them to perform maybe as well as they did against the Irish. So you've got to be excited about, you know, the, the game they're coming off of and going into this game against North Carolina, who does not even have close to as good of a defense as Notre Dame did. And then, I mean, it just really comes down to defensively. Are these guys ever going to show up? Are they ever going to live up to the hype that they got all offseason? I mean, we'll see. Marvin Wilson, I was looking at some of the uh, pro football focus grades. He's had the two worst grades of his entire career this season and the two biggest games against Miami and against Notre Dame. So he's got another top five opponent on the schedule. Is he going to come to life this game? Is he going to do anything? Tackle for loss, a tackle, a sack. Like, just, just give me something. And, I, I mean, I think if the guys make a couple big plays, that energy is going to come back instead of just being so down like they have been all season. So, I mean, we'll just, we'll just have to see. I'm just not, not confident at all about that unit moving forward. Yeah, I'm wondering, to see, I'm wondering to see how the offense will do without Terry. I know we talked about it earlier in the podcast um, and how they replace him, how they use other guys. And like Nate said, I'd like to see more Lawrence Toffoli out there with LaDamian Webb. I think all the running backs have had good moments so far throughout the season. They got some more blocking. I think it's a really good backfield for the next couple of years. Um, I don't think we need to talk more about how bad the defense has been. Like, at this point, it's overstated. <laughs> yeah, going back to Forest State versus Notre Dame, takeaways for me, quick, Jordan Travis and South Bend, against a really good defense, number five in the country, solid game. That is a, that is a great game in my uh, thoughts. Obviously, at an interception, he's trying, he was trying really hard there to put some points on the board. He missed a, a touchdown throw to Cam McDonald. But I, I'll, take, I'll take that kind of offensive play any day of the week facing a really good team in the country. It's, it's, you got to take some positives out of things. And then also, LaDamian Webb, obviously, I think is your starter just because Toa Philly is a true freshman. Webb has experience in the Juco level and college level. Uh, but he has great balance, like Nate said, and he needs to be used more and utilized more in the red zone because it's really hard to tackle him. And, and it's just, I don't know what it is. He's kind of have like a little bit of a Devontae Freeman kind of feel with him. Um, and then number three, uh, I want to keep an eye on Asante Samuel Jr. We saw him kind of hindering an injury at the end of the game against Notre Dame. You really want to see him play on Saturday, and which we'll get into the North Carolina preview. But you really want to hope that he's okay because you're going to be facing a quarterback that knows how to throw the ball and is a smart quarterback, has good wide receivers. So um, those are kind of like my three things after Florida State Notre Dame. Uh, top three worst segment this week. 
our topic is going to be top three worst liquor shots. Nate came up with this one earlier. And I think it's a really good one because right now I'm going through my last phase of college life. I usually take a good amount of shots. I take way too many, which is a problem right now for me. Um, and the hangovers really do suck, but I'm ready to give my, my top worst uh, shot. I don't know if anybody wants to go first. Dustin, you said that you haven't taken one in like three years. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I mean, I know why it's possible, but I don't know really how it is. If you're human or not, what's going on. I just believe in sober living, you know. Sober living, is that what you're going to call it <laughs> publicly? Is that what you're going to call it publicly? <laughs> you have different ways of appreciating um, plants. <laughs> CBD, CBD. I love tobacco, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, here we go. Perfect. Uh I'll go first this time. How about uh, my, my one that I hate the most and I'm going to almost gag is vodka shots. I absolutely hate them. I mean, I think they're the most disgusting thing in the world. And the thing about vodka, not only does it taste terrible, but it doesn't really hit you. You don't even know that you've taken it until about an hour later and it hits you and you're just gone, gone. Like it, it's, it's a strong alcohol. Um, it tastes terrible, but later on during the night, it hits you and you're like, I should have never mixed that with my eight other beers that I drank, you know, and that's probably just a problem on my hand. That's like, probably I need to go to an AA meeting soon. Um, but yeah, vodka shots. Anybody else hate vodka here? I don't nah, enjoy man. it. I, mean, I, I don't like shooting it, but you know, I don't mind sipping on the Tito's and, you know, soda or Tito's cranberry, you know? Ugh. I'm already feeling uneasy. <laughs> I literally <laughs> am. Ugh. You go, Nate. What do you got? What do you hate the uh, most out of shots? Uh, I'm gonna go three wise men. Okay. I I, I think that's you know the, the nastiest rock gut shot that can ever be made. Um, you know. Who's uh, forcing you usually to do that? It's got to be someone forcing you. No, that you know, back when I was your age, you know, that was a popular. Um, let's get someone jacked up and um, create some hell shot that or, or, you know, a liquid cocaine or something like that. But um, I, I got to go through Wiseman followed Wiseman. closely by, by tequila. Mm. So, no, I, I, I might have to go tequila just because of my one night with tequila was a disaster. Well, let's hear it. This is why we're here. This is why we're here for intermission and in between sports talk. That's why we're here. A quick story, a quick recap. So, uh, yeah, back when I was in college, um, myself and two of my, my sweet mates bought a handle of, of Jose Cuervo, and we took shots, the whole thing. We, we just got through it. Um, long story short, one friend ended up naked in a ditch outside. Um, we were all – all of us were on – Was that you? No. Um, <laughs> all, all, all of us were on, um, like, our last warning with um, – we got written up a lot from causing trouble in the dorm like our, our door was covered with our referrals so we were on our last our last morning and uh the night security guard miss ruth uh, absolutely hated us so we had to sneak um uh, perry was the guy's name we had to sneak perry in the side door we had to open the fire alarm exit and get up the steps before <laughs> she could uh uh find, you know find us 
so and, and then my other friend passed out um and long story short he broke into someone's uh suite and passed out in their bathroom um and in his vomit and then um i ended up about an hour and a half away that night later um i was train hopping um with another friend <laughs> mean driving no no train hopping <laughs> what um yeah so <laughs> That that and that hangover after was absolutely horrendous. So oh my I, I I don't remember a lot of that night, and I don't I don't remember. Uh, that's the um, same. Just just the smell of it makes me want to gag. Yeah, that's the same because that, that's the thing with vodka too. I'll forget what I was doing, and I'm like, uh, I will yeah. never do that again. That wasn't yeah, really man. the story I was expecting. No, not at all. No, no. There were some other things that um, happened uh, with. Uh, some vandalism that we did that you know you shouldn't that, tell all of these stories on a podcast that's well, it's over now it's over now i'm, I'm, I'm 42 years old i don't give a shit that's a statute of limitations <laughs> statute of limitations are over in that one speaking but, of know. statute of limitations dustin you need to give us your yours hmm? you need to give us yours well i was gonna say tequila but i'll say i'm not really a guy that takes a lot of shots I'll just say Fireball, just because it's not really a whiskey man, unless, you know, there's Coke in it. Fireball's easy, dude. Fireball is one of the easiest things. That's what all the girls do here in school. That's, like, easy money. Well, my like, nickname, I will take a shot of that right now for fun. My nickname starts with a P and ends with a Y, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that could be. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the tequila one, I would agree if you were to pick that. I mean, that, that's, I mean, it's brutal. I think if you take it, though, on a, Give me a margarita. Mexican coast and you put some lime with it, it's disgusting. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh. I love a good tequila shot with some lime. Mmm. Mmm. Tastes sm- good. It smells like shit. Tastes like shit. <laughs> and and it, it, it creates a lot of uh, drama. <laughs> the best one to do is a pickleback. Never had one of those. I mean, you just take a shot and then drink pickle juice. Oh. Special. <sighs> Not the best shot, dirty bong water. Mm. What's, what's the combination for that one? Uh, there's a couple of different ways to make it. But you'd like it. It's good. <laughs> it, 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 it's good for uh, P's and N's and Y's. It's an easy shot. <laughs> Austin, what's yours? What's your what's your worst <laughs> shot? So uh all I've heard so far is great reasons why I'm still sober. Uh and don't <laughs> drink alcohol, so I'm going worst jump shot. I'm gonna have to go with Sean Marion's. <laughs> Sean Marion. <laughs> oh, you were gonna say Devin Vassell. No. I, I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it. We're going to get there. I thought about it, but I mean, it's hard to not go Sean Marion. But you got to say why Devin Vassell does Dustin so the podcast listeners know. We'll get to it after the Jalen Worley interview. How about that? Yeah, you, we'll pick that. We'll do that. How about that? Yeah, Sean so Marion said, has the worst drop shot ever. It's <clears throat> horrible. Horrible. It's, yeah, I don't understand it. It physically hurts me. Yeah. By the way, before this Jalen Worley interview, I'm just going to go take a break. I'll let y'all handle it. I'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. By the way, Dustin shouted out on Twitter and said, we've officially let go of Logan Robinson 
he will not be here for the Jalen Worley interview. Guess what? I had to step in for Dustin last night. It's not my fault that Jalen Worley can't get his days right. No, no, okay. let's, let's not let's not put the blame on the kid. Yeah, we don't put the blame on him. We don't put the blame on the five-star recruit committed to Fort State under Leonard Hamilton, especially yeah. one that was that was willing to come on the podcast and push back Leonard Hamilton's phone call to talk to yes. us. Yes, well, that y'all is didn't true. tell me. Y'all didn't tell me about that. Yeah, we'll get oh, to that. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, Jalen Worley joined us on Hear the Spear, me and Austin last night. I want to jump you guys to the interview. Great interview. He talks a lot about Hamilton, talks about the current team and what he thinks about them. Preseason rankings also talks about what he's working on. He gives us an update on his height and weight, which is actually pretty big. He's a growing guy. Um, but yeah, Leonard Hamilton sure actually called. to hear about some I love it. Weight updates. It's big for basketball if I get updates on height and weight. Come on now. That's a big deal, right? Right? Yeah, it's big as it's been for football, huh? All that added weight's so. helping out. But, yeah, you'll see Hamilton calls him during the interview. So, a pretty good one. I'm going to jump you to that right now. All right, with us this evening, I'm actually pretty excited for this one. I know I'm all into football, but Austin and Dustin got me into basketball, and definitely whenever uh, Leonard Hamilton has uh, this program rolling right now. And one of the reasons right here to look towards the future with us tonight is five-star guard Jalen Worley out of Pennsylvania. Worley committed to Florida State in August, uh, and he's secured pretty much the number one class in the country for Leonard Hamilton and the Seminoles. What's going on, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Dude, I'm doing great. Doing wonderful. Only got one more test left this week. And then uh, weekend is there, football, and we got basketball coming up soon. So I'm feeling great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let me ask you first. Uh, so how are you navigating the current times with the coronavirus and everything going on? How has practice gone? I know we talked about it just a little bit ago uh, in our meeting before we started the show. But how has it really affected you in this whole COVID deal? Yeah, no, it's been, it's kind of just been a season of adjustments. Um, I feel like I never really had like a consistent schedule or like um, feel to it. I kind of just had to pack my stuff and go and kind of go on the fly. So um, I've kind of just um, been done what I've been able to do for the most part, but um, it definitely has affected me in terms of being able to get in the gym and just like um, continuing to progress my game. Yeah, to define yourself, having to find different kind of, you got to organize yourself a little bit more and because things are changing, like we talked about before we hit record, but things are changing a lot and you guys are trying to find facilities to go work out in. Some aren't allowing you to even do it, but is it kind of tricky with all that? Yeah. Yeah, it's some, tough. What's some stuff you've been working on so far? Um, a lot of what I've been trying to do is just expand my range, um, making sure like defenders have to guard me um, as soon as I cross half court. Um, just opening the floor um, and then a lot of like non-basketball wise I've been working on just being a leader uh, just because my high school teammate recently reclassed up and now he's in college so um, I've kind of had to step up more vocally than I had have had to do in years past so I've just been taking that challenge head on and just continuing to develop into like um, a leader. When you committed back in August to Florida State you chose us over Michigan and Virginia and a couple others. What went into that? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, 
during the COVID um, era or when it was at its prime, um, a lot of, I was getting a lot of communication to colleges and uh, being able to really, it gave me a great opportunity to actually learn more about the coaches individually and gave me more time on my phone to kind of learn more about them. And uh, Leonard Hamilton just kind of just separated himself very early on just as a person, um, what he rooted his team in, the kind of standards he was holding his kids to, not just like on the court, but off the court. Um, they kind of separated themselves really early on from the pack. And then I kind of just had to wait on my hunch just to learn more about the program. But um, he lent a lot of it goes to Leonard Hamilton and the program that he's built before me. Yeah, we've heard a lot of good things. We've had guests on here who are now in the NBA. We've also had, like, we had uh, McGowan's on, which we'll get into a little bit. But we've had a lot of guys tell us, uh, even Luke Laux, that's now working with the Warriors. He actually, they've told he us, actually just called me. He actually just called me as you were speaking, which is funny. Who did? Laux did? No, uh, Leonard Hamilton. Oh, did he? <laughs> oh, great. Maybe we should pause this and tell Leonard just to get in the Zoom call. We'll handle it from here. We'll just get that. <laughs> Um, but that's funny. I was going to get into it, but Leonard Hamilton, man, I, I see it even when I go to football games. I always see the basketball guys always huddled up around each other. And then if they're on the field, they're always together. It seems like a really kind of family vibe. Was that something that was pretty significant for you picking Florida State from little Leonard Hamilton? Like you get a kind of man that's like a, a almost like a father figure. So whenever you're not at home, he's there to kind of keep you guys around him and protected and stuff. No, definitely. I mean, especially um, just because visits are so difficult in the current um, time that we're in. So a lot, a lot of it is just based off like the person and holding the coach at their at their word. And he was able to demonstrate to me that holding like you can hold him at his word for for anything. And he and he showed me what he was able to do in terms of with his team GPA and the type of things that teachers were saying about the students when they were in classes and just a lot of positive about the family family vibe of the um of the team is, is is exactly what leonard hamilton has been has been building if you need to text him or tell him that you can call him back in like 10 feel free to no i just did i just i just okay texted. perfect perfect <laughs> but what was like during your recruitment what how, i mean i know you talked about leonard hamilton and everything but, you know, Florida State is an up-and-coming program right now, most certainly. I mean, I think it's already there. It's, it's set in stone. And, you know, we've had Terrence Mann come on and say that during his early years, building that to where it is now is what made him, you know, so happy leaving it to where it's at and, and things are going well. This could have been a Final Four, which we'll get into a Final Four team last season. Um, but re what really excites you about being at Florida State and and will you will be on campus in Tallahassee what excites you um from the basketball side I'm really um I'm really excited about this this whole team mentality of like the underdog mentality um just because I feel like the whole team just carries like a, a chip on their shoulder constantly and that's kind of how I was able to like funnel my way up to where I am now just because like going to like a loaded prep school like I didn't touch the floor as a freshman like I had kids ahead of me and I kind of just had to claw and fight my way for my spot and that's kind of just the raw energy and sort of defensive mindset and just overall the team just super excited to be in that environment constantly and just feeding off uh, my teammates energy and just getting better every day. Florida State currently holds the number one class. How often do you keep up keeping right. contact with the other guys with Cleveland, Butler and McLeod? Um, 
pretty regularly. Um, it's not like formal text messages or phone calls. A lot of it's just through social media, just because that's where everybody is constantly anyway. Um, so we're constantly just checking up on each other, on each other's posts and uh, DMing each other and just making sure everybody's okay. Um, but pretty regularly um, we talk. Going back to Leonard, though, how much does he stay in contact with you guys? That's something I've always been interested in, definitely for a guy at a five-star status. But how, how many times does he contact you throughout the week? Uh, it's, it was, it's probably after, after I, are you asking? Cause I mean, the timetable, like there was a time super like set up and things got crazy. So, I mean, do you mean after my, I committed or before I committed? Uh, after I'd say after. Okay. I might be breaking up for Yeah. You. After I commit, I probably check in with him twice. Oh, I think it might, um, the network might can you hear me now? Kind of, yeah, I can hear you can. now. You're good. You're fine. Okay. Um, probably like twice a week now that I committed. Uh, we just talk about how the current team's doing, what I need to work on at the high school level and just kind of just checking in on each other as people for the most part. So, uh, yeah, I talk to him pretty regularly. Outside of Hamilton, uh, what coach do you have the best relationship with? I think Coach Jones was recruiting you. And how, yeah. often, how often did they yeah, keep in coach, contact? Yeah, Coach Jones has been a big part um, for me. Um, and a lot of things I've said about Coach Hamilton um, mimics um, my, uh, my feelings towards Coach Jones just because of uh, how great of a person he's been through this, this process and really just their characters alone. But um, I, I check in with him more regularly, so probably four, four times a week, I'd say. Okay. And speaking, you know, Austin brought up recruiting. Is there anyone uh, that you're currently recruiting to join for Tribe 21? Um, at the moment, there isn't really one guy um, that I, I could say. I mean, um, I mean, at one point, I think the guy was – I was really trying to recruit – uh, a couple weeks ago was Mike Foster. I'm mm -hmm. um, trying to get him down here uh, just because I feel like he really fits our style and he's, um, would help us. So that's probably the one guy I'd say. But mm -hmm. And obviously, yeah, that's about it. I mean, we, we kind of mentioned earlier uh, McGowan's backed off his commitment earlier in the earlier, I think it was last week. Was it a surprise to you and the rest of the guys? And have you spoken to him at all since? Um, it was a little bit of a surprise, um, but I talked to him afterwards, um, and kind of just, uh, talked to him about it and, and how he's, he's basically not, um, excluding, uh, Florida State from the picture, but just to, to be more careful with his decision and make sure he's making the right one. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we checked in with him after, after the fact and, and all the talk was positive, so. And has Florida State's conversations with you changed at all? Because I know they're recruiting him to play point guard, and you're obviously a combo guard that can handle the ball as well. Has their vision for you changed at all since then? No. I mean, I was um, I was already going to be the one um, and him be the two. But I think um, with, with his decommitment, I think it's just going to allow for everybody else in the class to step up. Which of the coaches, well, which of the coaches we, we talked about a little bit, but which one do you have the most, the best relationship with? And what are your thoughts on the staff overall as a program right now? 
Um, the staffs, um, I really enjoy the staff um, through our Zoom meetings, just being able to talk to the rest of the staff. Um, I think the staff is, uh, it's one unit for sure. I think I've, I mean, through the recruiting process, I've seen some discombobulated staffs or some uh, splitted staffs, but you can really tell that these coaches really enjoy being with each other day in and day out, understand how each other think, and they're always on the same page. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the other coaches that I, I met briefly um, are exactly um, the type of people um, as Stan Jones and Leonard Hamilton. So everything I can say about the staff is, is all positive things. Have you been able to give a timetable on whenever you're going to be able to come in and next time you'll be able to actually visit Florida State and have a true visit? Like, has the staff given you any kind of intel or info on that? Um. A lot of, from what I've been told, is just kind of just, it's going to all be around COVID and safety. Um, so that, even if I gave you a timetable, most likely it's going to adjust. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's just before the spring. That's my, that's my hope is it's before the spring, but I don't really have a timetable. Gotcha. Stepping into the current team a little bit, preseason rankings are always, you know, they're all over the place, but uh, John Rostin with CBS, put Florida State at number 13. How do you feel Florida State's going to be this upcoming season? Um, I think they're going to be slept on again, and I think they're going to overachieve again. Um, I think um, this team is has a lot of length defensively. Um, a couple upperclassmen guys who, who know, the, know the system and know the program, and then um, a couple younger guys who are really um, going to be big impact players for them. So um, I think um, – they're really going to – I mean, whatever they have them ranked, they're going to overachieve. So I think it's going to be a really good year for the Seminoles. You think it was a, a Final Four team last year for – you think you think COVID rob, robbed them? I do. I do. 100%. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm right there with you, too. I was ready to buy tickets to get to Atlanta. I was yep. full sending that trip. Who did you uh, – who were you pulling for in the finals, at least? Who are you pulling for, Lakers, Heat? Um, I was pulling for LeBron. I'm, I'm a really big LeBron guy. I was just about to ask you, are you a LeBron guy or, you know, Michael Jordan? Like, what do you, what's that debate looking like there? I think it's – I think, honestly, I think it's, um, it's unfair to compare the two and just to appreciate greatness. But I, uh, I just appreciate LeBron just because, like, he's just a really big – like a big guard and he, and he gets his teammates involved, so. It's, yeah, what did you tweet? What did you tweet earlier today, Austin, about LeBron James? Yeah, his prime's been. Yeah, he's basically been his prime since 2006. It's incredible. Right. Yeah. I don't think you can even compare it to an NBA player. You kind of have to go with Gretzky in the NHL, just as as far as the prime lasting. Um, right. For yourself, is there any guys you look to to model your game after? Um. I think a big guy I watch a lot is Devin Booker. Uh, I try to take a lot from his game. Um, his smoothness. Um, and then in terms of, like, a point guard that I really watch, uh, I really enjoy Chris Paul um, just because I feel like he's always under control and always getting his teammates involved. So, Gotcha. Is there anything – I know we kind of talked about what you're working on workouts, but is there something that you're wanting to get better at before getting into Tallahassee? I know you talk with Leonard, and he's giving you some tips and things and what to work on and what they're actually working on inside the program right now. But – what do you want to get better at before you get on campus? Um, um, kind of a combination of when I get on campus and before I get on campus. 
a lot of what I want to do is just kind of just put on weight um, just to get stronger, um, get more athletic and just kind of just come more into my frame just because um, I don't even know if I'm done growing, but I just, my body has constantly been growing. So it's just been difficult to put on weight. So I just got to, this is a big year for me to kind of just see my body develop. What's your height at now? Uh, I went to the doctor the other day. I was six, five and a half, uh, 195. That's six, five point guard. <laughs> and two, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I can't say that I'm six, five Jalen. I can tell you that I'm not <laughs> six, five. I got the white baseball genetics here. Um, I, I don't got, I don't got the tall genetics. I'll, t- I'll take six, one though. Six, one's not too bad. Hey, not at all. <laughs> well, Austin, do you have anything more no. on your end? I think we're straight. I think so too, man. I really appreciate you coming on here, Jen. We'll definitely have to get you on. Hopefully once basketball picks up for you on your end too. And even whenever Florida States uh, gets going, maybe even do a couple of podcasts with uh, uh, guys that are also recruiting in your class. I think it'd be a good time for sure. Get you back on yeah, here. Definitely. Yeah, just let me know. Definitely. All right, Austin, we're back. I appreciate you, Austin, for being there with me on that interview. <laughs> Dustin, I don't give a damn. Didn't really need you. I think, Jalen really wants me to move on and be All the right, kind I went of basketball. To go get Wendy's while you guys were doing that. Of course I'm you were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, how about the update though? The height and weight there that he noted on the podcast, Austin. On yeah, the he said he said on the podcast six five one ninety five. He's listed on twenty four seven as six four one seventy five. The fact he's coming in to play point guard, you're following Scotty Barnes up with another six five point guard. Scary things happening in Tallahassee. Uh, jump us into Austin, the Devin Vassell jump shot story here, because I just learned about it when we were in the production meeting, but this is obviously was going to be your pick in the top three worst liquor shots, but yeah, for some reason, I don't, some people are saying he's playing around, but like, it looks like his same jump shot just pulled further back. And I don't know why you would tweak that much with someone's jump shot who shoots 40% from three. But he's what was happening? What was going on in the video? Because in case people have no clue, which I had no clue. And imagine, imagine a skinny Dirk Nowitzki that's shooting on two feet. That's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> but like, that's not a discredit to Dirk. Dirk's my favorite athlete of all time. But like, it's not a pretty jump shot. <laughs> no, it looks like it looks like how I'm shooting. Like that's how I shoot the basketball. It looks god awful, and I. And it, it, his shots went in though. Yeah, and if and if you're wow. hitting under rock and don't know Dirk Dirk Nowitzki, basically, if you could, if you're watching me on the webcam, you could see it. His shots all the way back here mm. before he releases. It's horrible. It's almost through his his scapula. Yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he was just fooling around because they made the person that tweeted it delete it. But oh my god, I, that was a bad decision. Yeah, and I had already saw someone tweet that they were knocking Devin Vassell down a few pegs on their draft board because of that. So hopefully they do just address it and he's messing around at the end of the workout and, um, you know, doesn't get overblown too much. If he is changing his jumper, I do not agree with it. Like, Yeah, because, I mean, he was going to be a top seven, eight pick. There's a lot of rumors out there that Golden State's going to trade down and take him, at least from what I've heard. And then that could be seven, eight, nine. It could be in that range. So I don't know why they'd want to mess with that at all. But would, would Golden State be taking him as a score? I think they'd no, they just, him as a 
as a defender, you know, wing defender. There was a report that came out, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, saying to view him as the best defender in the class. But you're not going to Golden State just to be a defender. You're going to go to Golden State because you're going to make open threes, yep. playing off of Steph Clay, Draymond, and yep. these other guys. But that, that shot's getting swatted into the eighth row. Yeah, because he already had a kind of slow release, but he mm-hmm. made it work because he's playing against college athletes and it's a high release. He's not going to be able to do that in the NBA. Mm-mm. Run us through the rest of these, Austin. Yeah, the, the big one that came out this week was college basketball athletes are also getting an extra year of eligibility like we saw with football this season. Um, I think that's huge for Florida State. They've got some seniors on the roster right now with MJ Walker, Raekwon Evans, Tanner Gom, and Nathaniel Jack that – I don't know if they'll all use it. I know Gom had a lot of NBA interest before he transferred into Florida State. MJ Walker's a f- fourth-year guy. Does he want to stick around for a fifth year? I don't know. But I think for Raekwon Evans, possibly getting him back for another year, that'd be huge. When you're losing all this experience in the, in the backcourt, getting him with Jalen Worley and Matthew Cleveland and these other guys that are coming in is going to be huge for next season. Um, Scotty Barnes was named to third-team preseason All-American. Well, they just gloss over Nate Jack. What happened to him? Yeah, we don't we don't need to. Um, yeah, Scotty Barnes, 13 preseason All-American, according to CBS. Um, just more accolades for him. He was first team All-ACC preseason as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he's named to some more preseason All-American teams. Yeah, can't yeah. wait to see him in action for Florida State. I mean, I'm what can stoked. you say? I'm there's stoked. Been a, there's been a lot of hype coming from practices from him. I will say that. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Hey, if you're not in our Discord, I suggest signing up now because it's getting close to basketball season. Obviously, we've got football inside. I've got my cat coming up on the desk here 20 <laughs> times during an episode. I mean, that's every second. But uh, Austin, I mean, he was throwing us a lot of nuggets uh, last year when he joined, joined the staff, but now it's all going to Discord. So if you guys want updates on, you know, the best program right now at FSU, you know, Austin's got your hookup. We're six, we're six weeks from basketball season. We're getting there. Yeah, we are I, getting there. I, I don't understand how anyone could look at that basketball program and not see a potential Final Four team. Yeah, again. I mean, CBS, yeah. or it was Rothstein that released his preseason top 50. I think it was, and Florida State was 13th. We talked about it with in the interview, and he said it's the Florida State will overachieve again. I wouldn't be shocked. College basketball is predicated on having experienced guard play, and Florida State's got arguably the most experienced backcourt in the country between MJ Walker – Anthony Polite, Raekwon Evans, and even though Scotty Barnes is a freshman, he's got so much experience around him where you don't have to re- rely on him in the backcourt. No, I mean, I, I don't follow basketball nearly, you know, like you do Austin, but, you know, if, if Walker could be more consistent um, and, and a little bit more what they kind of thought he'd be, you know, that, that just makes the team tougher to stop. And we, we saw it last year. In both of the yep. Louisville games, he was unbelievable. Yep. He, he had moments last year where, like, this is a really good player. Um, if he, t- like you said, if he takes that one more step forward to be a consistent 12, 14 point per game guy, mm-hmm. he, he makes that offense really unstoppable. Do you think, do you think Scotty Barnes gets more of a starting go than what Patrick Williams had with coming off the bench? Do you think Scotty's more of a starter than Patrick Williams? What do you, what's your take oh, they, on that? Yeah, they have to. Patrick was different because you had depth there. You, I mean, with this team, you've got the biggest hole they've had in years losing Trent Forrest. I love Raekwon Evans. I think he's a fantastic player but he's not Trent Forrest. You got to get someone in there that's 
that can get those easy buckets like Forrest got, and I think Barnes can do that at his size. He's going to create a ton of mismatches. Yeah, when you put him at the one, I mean, it's just crazy. He can defend, pass, and really, I mean, the only kind of question mark for me coming in is his jump shot. You know, I want to see him consistently be able to stretch out defenses, but but at least I mean, he takes yeah. them. In AAU, he's shot, I think it was like 33% from three on like 30 attempts. I'm okay with that over a 10-game stretch. Just shoot it a couple times a game and make the defense at least think about it. You know, we, we were frustrated with Forrest not taking threes for the first two and a half years of his career. Hey, he's Ben Simmons, man. He's Ben Simmons that's not afraid to shoot. Yeah, yep. I, I think that's huge. You, you, but, can't keep, you can't keep that on the bench. You have to get him in. He, he has to play. I, I will say a lot of people – Around the program, I won't say in the program, I think he's going to be a much better pro than in college, but that's just because he's still developing. I think by the time he's 24, 25, he's going to be an unbelievable player. Um, then the last one, uh, recent decommitment Bryce McGowan's is going to re-release a top five on Monday. Um, things have gone so fast for his recruitment since he's decommitted. Kansas is interested. Kentucky's interested. UNC is interested. He's done virtual visits with LSU. Uh, he's gotten all this interest now. I know Nebraska is really going after him too to try and get him with his brother. Um, but there's a lot of, um, you know, not so clean programs going after him now. I'll say that. <laughs> yep. Can I say like Georgia? <clears throat> They're in there too. <laughs> they are in there too. Anybody got any of that right there? Anybody yeah. got any on them real quick? Got anything? <laughs> yeah, I think McGowan's a good kid, but man, when it comes to those, keep people getting in your ear a little bit. You know, things can change. but yeah, it, it's, it always sucks when a kid decommits. The first thing you hear is LSU and Kentucky. You're like, oh, God. Yeah, we know. You know Kansas. what that is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yep. You know, what, you know what that means, most certainly. Uh, but, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Let's not be naive and think everyone's not doing it. Just some do it to a more higher extent. Yeah, and I, yeah. Will, I will say Florida State is still definitely in his recruitment. I'd be shocked if we're not on his top five on Monday. It's just, mm-hmm. you know. Different, thing, different things sway in the decision, which we can probably get into once we find out which team that is. We can yeah. certainly talk about their past <laughs> history and what they've done. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's pretty much it for the basketball roundup. we got a lot more basketball talk in the next couple of weeks in previews and the season preview and all that and hopefully get some guests on. So basketball coverage, at least on this podcast, is going to jump up quite a bit, definitely uh, website-wise over on nolgadme.com. So great stuff from Austin. Let's jump into it. I'm excited for this game. I have energy. I just got done with all my schoolwork. I am ready to talk to Florida State versus North Carolina. I am excited to be there. It should be a beautiful weekend. Right now I was looking at it. I think it's going to be a high of 77 on Saturday. Looks like over the whole weekend, that is the most beautiful day. Low of 59. It's going to be gorgeous. Another time in Doak Campbell Stadium. Primetime kickoff, 730 ABC. I don't know if Kirk Herbstreet or Fowler will be there. Reese Davis or whoever it is. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, this is a once again, Florida State and back-to-back weeks is going to have to face a number five team in the country. But Sam Howell is coming to town, former FSU quarterback commit flip from there to North Carolina and you know the Tar Heels are three and no uh Florida State comes into this game one and three and you know this could this is a game where I think a lot of Florida State fans have some kind of 
hope and have actually a real feeling in their hearts that Florida State can compete with the Tar Heels and maybe come away with an upset. There is a good amount, uh, at least online, and, and some that are thinking that Florida State has a chance on Saturday to uh, pull the upset. Well, that's crazy. Have they seen the defense? <laughs> I will say, go. I did want to say, though, going back to that Notre Dame game, them only allowing seven points coming back from half is a good adjust. It's, it's a good optimism that adjustments are being made. Obviously, it was already dead. The horse was dead in the first half. That's it. Booyah. I mean, Notre Dame's defense is going to make adjustments, too, which they did against Florida State's offense. But at least you saw that there was some optimism that maybe – Fuller and company are able to make adjustments for players that need to be in because we saw on Saturday against uh, Notre Dame guys were put into positions, but they're not making plays. And you're looking at veterans who are not making plays. And we already talked about that in the recap and we're, we're a lot more um, vulgar and we didn't really have much time to think, but uh, this defense does have a chance. Uh, it's just got to get better uh, fluidity uh, with who might be in and personnel. Uh, and, and real quick, on that Notre Dame game, uh, Brian Kelly called a timeout because he wanted to score on that fourth down. So mm-hmm. that's not act like they, they put it in neutral. And it posted, they were trying to score to put up seven more, more on the board. So, no, I agree, but they also a missed head. a field goal. They yeah. had a three and out. And the reason it was a three and out was because on third down, the receiver dropped a wide open pass over the middle, which would have probably gone for 30, 40 yards. So, I mean, as much as we can credit that to Florida State's defense, it's also Notre Dame's offense making mistakes. If that receiver catches that ball, we're talking about another play Florida State got burned on. It's also part of the game. Yeah. Oh, I agree. We can pick and choose. Uh, they just suck. We can choose plays, but, you know, if, you know, he doesn't throw that interception on the goal line, it's a one-score game. What happens when the pressure is squarely on Notre Dame to not lose that game? I agree. It's all hearsay. But it could have it could have been worse, you know. It was it's nice how the how they ended it. I'm just providing some context. And I also think North Carolina. Debbie Downer Dustin. That his name his nickname now on Twitter is Debbie Downer Dustin. By the way, I also just think North Carolina's offense is head and shoulders above what Notre Dame offers, especially with Sam Howell instead of Ian Book. I mean, Howell has got a great mm-hmm. arm. He's got a great set of receivers. I think we talked about earlier they've got a dynamic running game I mean they've really got the total package coming into Tallahassee whereas one thing that we talked about with Notre Dame last week is the amount of um, depth they were replacing a wide receiver and how they hadn't really had any no one had really stepped up to be their top target yet UNC has that and they they have a couple guys like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and no North Carolina's running game which obviously Running game defense for uh, Florida State has been absolutely uh, nothing. I mean, future that I, I can't do anything. No linebacker play to be able to plug holes. I mean, guys are just going to the wrong gaps, or they're if they're going in to be physical, they're not heading the right way. And the main part of that, I mean, obviously a lot of people want to see the young guys, but I mean, at least you'll see some really good effort from them. But you still want to see some guys that are staying on assignment and that's going to be hard to do against an offense like that. If you're going to throw in uh, some true freshmen and try to get a better product out of, them. I mean, it just doesn't always work that way. Obviously Stephen Dix jr. Is the number one guy that, you know, a lot of fans and people want to see more of, um, but the guys that have the most experience are Warner and rice. All, I mean, although they're not showing a great product, obviously, and they're veterans, but 
it's a it's a interesting group to look at because you know what do you do in this situation when you're facing a guy like Sam Howell, quarterback? What what are you gonna do? Um, Especially, I mean, this is a guy who, um, I thought he's the best quarterback in the country last year, or when he was in high school. Um, he's just he's just phenomenal in terms of working plays, what he can do outside the pocket. Um, you know, when he when he gets out outside and has to create you know his arm is strong enough uh he's got some balls he's not afraid to make make those throws and he can run really well uh, I, I don't think we've really seen him um run as much as, as people thought he was going to but he's a really tough runner um you know it, it it's going to be very tough to stop the you know it's, i think he's going to have those linebackers on skates yeah all night for me, the if the defense is going to have any chance, it's going to have to be creating turnovers. Mm-hmm. They they've yet to show throughout four games that they can actually get stops, and I think they're going to get abused up front. I think they're going to run it down our throats. They mm-hmm. just have to get an interception here or a fumble recovery there. I and think one, that's that's going to be Florida State's biggest chance. And one thing is, you know, Sam hasn't been as um, efficient as he was last year. Uh, you know, he he's thrown a few more little careless interceptions. He's been a little bit more, uh, um, I guess, sticking his arms a little bit better than than it, than it is, and, and trying to put that ball in there. Um, so TB is gonna have to make plays, and if Asante's not playing, it's gonna hurt. And I will say, last week, um, and arguably they're against their toughest opponent so far this season. Owl had his best game of the year yet. He went 18 out of 23. 257 yards, three touchdowns, and zero turnovers after throwing a combined three interceptions in their first two games of the season. So mm-hmm. he's playing his best football of the season right now as he comes into Tallahassee. And you know he's got something to prove. Oh, hell yeah. You know he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And people don't know he's a dog, man. You know, he he's, he's going to want to try to step all over Florida State. But here's the offense, number five offense in the country. 7.3 yards for play. Uh, you know, Michael Carter's, uh, what, fourth-rated rusher in the country. And then they got Devontae Williams, who's his backup. So they have probably the best one-two punch right now uh, that's playing in the country. Um, you know, three wide receivers who are as good as any, and Diami Brown, Daz Newsom, and Bo Corrales. Um, you know, those are mismatches all across the board for Florida State. Um, and, 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 you know, let's not – we can sit here and talk about it for 30 more minutes, but the defense just hasn't shown in the last eight eight games. You know, you go back to last year, that they can't stop anyone. And, and so I think that RPO, um, those, the, that quick hitter offense that, that they're running right now, I think is going to be a challenge for the Florida State defense. But um, the fact that, you know, you look at the 16 games that, that – uh, Mike Brown has had since he's been at North Carolina. Um, ten of those games are one-score games. Uh, you, you look at a 42-point bowl win, a 31-point win over NC State last year, a 25-point win against a really horrible Cherokee team this or earlier this year, and they beat Mercer by 49. Otherwise, you're looking at at games that are 3.6 points. Um, you know, they play really close games. So despite all of that offensive talent, um, they really haven't taken that next step to really blow out and dominate teams. 
So, but yeah, that makes me feel a little bit better. And that's because of defense. You look at how they're recruiting this year, though. Um, they've addressed a lot of those problems, um, you know, but that's one to two years on the road. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, North Carolina's a good team. Uh, you know, you think but, they're at number five? You think they're number five uh, material? Uh, based off what who's playing right now, absolutely. I think that they were playing better ball before the before the break, before their little two weeks off. Um, and I will say, Boston College is a better team um, than people thought. You know, Jeff Happy has that team. That offense is is doing really well. Um, I think that Virginia Tech, despite the fact that they had seventeen guys out. Virginia Tech still put up 45. Um, so the, they play a lot of close games. 63% of their games under under Mac Brown have been uh, one-score games. So um, despite all the issues that, you know, Florida State has on defense, uh, I, I think that, you know, the offense has enough opportunities and they have enough chances to, to put up points this week. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this offense is going to be able to keep up with the Sam Howell offense uh, for Florida State. That's the only way this game is going to go into the third quarter. And after the first half, that's the only way this is going to happen. They got to find a good way to keep. I mean, they did against Notre Dame, but find drives. I think Kenny Dillingham and Norvell are the, the wheel is starting to turn there. You know, they're finding out who needs to be where, which running back needs to be in which package, which wide receiver needs to be where, who's blocking the best. And it feels like that wheel is starting to turn. I thought that was a really good coach game, definitely in the first half for uh, Norvell and company. But things got to stay that way. Things got to start moving quicker. And definitely in a game like this, it's just offense loves scoring points. But like Nate said, these games this year, except for the Mercer game, these games have been pretty close and uh, – Mac Brown has has been lucky enough to slip by some of these. I mean, Virginia Tech mm -hmm. that was a close game this last weekend. Um, it was pretty much a shootout, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see another shootout in Doe Campbell Stadium on Saturday night. No, I mean, go ahead. Uh, I was just about to say, if Florida State has a chance, it's got to be in a shootout where both teams are above forty and they have the ball last and go down the field and score. To me, that's send, gonna be Florida State's best chance. Send thirty three on Fox and put them after Hal all night long. I mean, you saw what we, you know, Gainer, man, he's making plays and, you know, you got to find turnovers in this game, but he made a great one against Notre Dame and Florida state was actually, which was shocking, should have been on sports center top 10. Florida <laughs> state actually fell on the ball and created an, a pure turnover, which was really nice to see. It was, it was in complete like actual shock. As long as the defense tries something new. I mean, they can't just sit here and keep doing the same things over and over. It's the but definition of insanity. They did it though. If you watch, um, yeah, if you follow, you know, Unconquered Talk, you know, Steve is one of the better football minds out there. Um, he really understands the game. Um, and Florida State threw the kitchen sink at Notre Dame. If you really watch, don't watch the offense, watch the defense. Um, you know, Coach Fuller did a really good job of putting his guys in position. They just didn't make the play. Um, and that was time and time again. Um, you know, they blitzed a lot. They ran blitz man coverage, zone. He did – he threw the kitchen sink at Notre Dame. And a lot of those plays um, weren't made. And that's – that. you know, you, I'd like you to see. Kyron Williams going 63 yards untouched. You know, it's just mm. – it, 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 it's guys not finishing, guys not 
not and the it, sad part about it, execution. The sad part about it, Nate, is that they're veterans. Yep. Yep. That's that's the that's the worrisome part about it. But then again, you look at you. You should be having Hamza Najaldine playing. I mean, he should. We was expected that he would be good to go against Miami, but it just seems like we probably won't see him all season. We really don't have a pure update on that. Mike Norvell just keeps on saying week to week. But, you know, if that's just not going to happen, I, I can't wait. We got to see early parts of Travis J, but Travis J is going to be a playmaker. I, I mean, it's crazy that I got to look at practically a true freshman to make these plays and not cause these 60-yard uh, runs mm-hmm. for touchdowns against opponents. But Travis J has that mentality, and he obviously is still raw. He's a physical guy. He's probably going to miss on a few assignments. But most of those, though, he's, he's a good tackler from what we saw in the first part of the season. But I think Florida State is hopeful to have Jay from what I just heard the message given to me they're hopeful to have Travis J which was actually pre B uh, I think in my opinion pretty big for Florida State definitely big but I mean one thing to monitor is just if Florida State is going to make some personnel changes uh <clears throat> one you just mentioned Logan moving Amari Gaynor up to that that Fox position in in place of um Janarius Robinson and then I would also like to see maybe even Diggs Jr finally take over that starting middle linebacker spot Leonard Warner. I mean, we all know how dread, dreadful Warner's been so far this season. And then I know Nate was talking about it earlier this week. Maybe, maybe give Brendan Gant a shot over at Stud, a place where he can go out, play, use his athleticism to his advantage, and just go deliver some big hits mm-hmm. and really just maybe improve the, the floor, I would say, of that FSU linebacker unit. So there's some moves that could be made to put this defense in maybe a little bit better positions of success. We just have to see if the staff is going to be willing to take out the unproductive veterans and put in these guys who have the potential to change things. So, you know, I'm kind of disappointed as you will, McCray, um, what happened there. Um, I almost would like to to see Dick stay where he's at, and I would like to see Lundy in the middle. I think that fits him more. He's more of a physical presence. Not saying that that Dix isn't. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to you have to choose what you want. You're either gonna have um, super unathletic upperclassmen who are just getting exposed in space, or you're gonna take guys who might make the play, but they're gonna take a bad angle or have a run. The run fit's gonna be wrong. So they're on two opposite ends of the spectrum right now. They're not in the middle, and that's where you would expect a guy like. Julian McCray, who's an athletic guy, who in high school was really good in, in, in the passing game. What's happened there? Um, you know, and what's happened to Deloach. to um, Deloach? You know, a guy who who started game one, um, played decently, um, but also has shied away from some contact. So again, it's the same story of the upperclassmen. You know, they don't have the physicality. They don't want to put their nose in. Uh, um, and, and, and put their hat on somebody. Mm-hmm. That why I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and assume. What about a guy like Kevin Glenn, who is as big as any linebacker in the roster at six two two thirty? Give him a shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you have to lose? It's obviously clear. You need some athleticism and you need some physicality at linebacker. That's why I mentioned, um, you know, putting Gant in the box because yeah, he's only. 195, 200 pounds, but he's he's gonna knock the, sh- the shit out of you, and he's a physical player, and also he can cover in space. 
Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's just very concerning for me at linebacker and the fact that they lose their best option um, to a decommitment and there's nothing coming down the pike. Well, before we overload this episode, because we still got the Worley interview in here, but let's jump into our score predictions. Uh, obviously, primetime matchup, Florida State, that logo must hit differently, or just ESPN is just likes bullying Florida State because they know that they're down right now. It's probably <laughs> that like one. It's, <laughs> it's probably that one. Uh, but, yeah, primetime matchup, 7.30, ABC, ESPN. Um, I'll be in attendance there. Dustin will be covering. I'm excited uh, for this matchup. Hopefully it stays a game, and it's supposed to be a beautiful night in Doe Campbell Stadium. But, guys, give me your score predictions for Florida State versus number five, North Carolina Tar Heels. Austin, you go first since you haven't had to say much lately. Um, yeah, it's because, you know, I don't, I, don't have, I don't have a great tired. take for this one. Uh, I think – UNC is going to score in every single possession. I, I like think, it. And I think they went pretty handily. I think Florida State is going to miss Tamori Ontario quite a bit. They're struggling trying to find another option. I think they win 52-31. Austin, 52-31. Okay. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with that. I think, like I said, <clears throat> I think this is the best offense that the defense has had to go up against this year with how dynamic they are on both sides of the ball. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if they scored on every possession, like Austin just said. Offensively, I think it's going to take a little bit for the passing game to kind of get acclimated without Tamori Ontario out there. But I do think we'll see Ontario Wilson have a decent game. And then again, I really just think it's going to be up to the Florida State running attack. Um, North Carolina was very susceptible to outside runs last week against Virginia Tech. And that's really exactly what Florida State likes to do with that RPO. So I'd like to see plenty of runs to the outside, some more of those halfback tosses that we were seeing, like like the one that Damian Webb scored on against Notre Dame. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a battle. I just don't think Florida State defensively is going to be able to keep up in this one. I'm going to go North Carolina 55, Florida State 34. So, okay. So you have – a over under at 64 right now, right? Um, you have Carolina, a nine and a half point favorite. Um, what I find really interesting is that North Carolina, in their last four get four of the last six games, they've gone under, which is kind of um, interesting to me. But, um, you know, the five and one against the spread in the last six games, the three and nine straight up against FSU in the last 12. Uh, but this is also one of the worst four to eight teams of, of my lifetime. Um, you know, for, for, for me, I think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think that Florida State is going to consistently stop Sam Howe. I, do think, I think that Sam Howe will make a couple mistakes that will keep Florida State in it. And I think that Florida State and Jordan Tavis is going to cause some problems for that North Carolina defense. Uh, but I, I got 44-39 Carolina. 44-39. All right, I'm writing these down so we can look back at these every week and see how wrong we are usually. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, for me, I'm actually going to be the lowest, I believe, on the total poll of how many points, if I got this correctly. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I think Florida State's going to make some adjustments on defense. I don't think it's just going to be enough for North Carolina's offense. I'm really worried about defensive backing, except for Asante, which I still got to get some kind of confirmation and feel better on his front to make sure that he's fully ready to go. Because right now I don't trust the other corner set with Jerry and Jones right now. He's getting um, bullied right now. They got to find another way to go to the other side of the field on the other defensive back, uh, another corner. Or Sam Howell's just going to keep throwing the ball. I mean, they'll just keep doing that, just like how Florida State's run defense and linebacker unit has been bullied. Um, but I do, th- I do think uh, Florida State's going to play a little bit better of a, d- a defensive product, in my opinion. I think they're going to find ways to get after Sam Howell a little bit. I think there's going to be a little bit more of some blitz packages. That's why I'm going to go Florida State 34, North Carolina 37. A three-point loss in Doak. I think the last time North Carolina came into uh, Doak, Florida State did lose yeah. by, a, by a field goal, though. Um, but, At the buzzer. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I shouldn't even probably say that. The listeners probably would kill me saying that. But uh, 37-34, which obviously is not as many points as you guys have put down. So I'll be interested to see if I'm wrong. But it should be a shootout nonetheless, most certainly. Offenses should have a good night uh, to score. Uh, let's see. Let me go ahead and end this off. I need to shout out our 10 latest Patreons. Brady, Stephen Hudson, Andy Dilber, Anthony Moore, Ben Grunewald, Brian Farina, Jonathan Taylor, Ben Grunewald, Tyson Brom and Will Schlott. God, they're so I feel like you read the same ten names every week. I don't know why. It does and seem the, like the same ten. They are, they, there's a lot. There's a <laughs> lot in here that, like, if they're reoccurring members and stuff like that, it comes through probably that way. There's a lot of names that seem like the same, though. That's for sure. Unless there's some freaks in here, but um, that is our Patreon. You can sign up at Patreon.com/slash/NoGame. That's where we give our insider news, recruiting news, basketball news. Um, and program news we also had some Bobby Bowden updates throughout the week obviously actually we need to comment I'm actually glad to hear I got word while I was at the gym got a text that he is actually at home and back to his regular self feeling good he obviously was dealing with COVID-19 and they were treating him at the hospital but it's good to see Bobby's fine he gets another win under his belt um, and really happy to hear Bobby Bowden is doing good, and hope Miss Ann is also doing good over there too. It's time to give him his wins back. Yeah, time to get the wins back. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. Wait for him to get his wins back. Yeah, exactly. But yes, good word for Bobby Bowden. Maybe that's just the good start. uh, The start of good news for uh, Tallahassee. We'll see. We'll see what happens Saturday night. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate you all, Uh, and we will see you guys for our instant reaction Saturday evening. See you guys.